Life Audio. For the first time, I was truly at peace with God because I knew I'm aligned with His heart. I'm telling the truth, and it lifted that undercurrent of anxiety. When when you feel like you're just plugged in all the time, and we get so used to it, we barely realize that oftentimes it's because we are functioning completely out of alignment with God. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Allie Patterson, and I will be back to talk about how we can build a life on the firm foundation of God, and it will lead to peace. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Allie Patterson is passionate about helping others build a life on the firm foundation of Jesus's truth and grace. She holds a master's degree in biblical studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and is a teaching pastor at Crossroads Church in Ohio. She lives with her husband, Bill, and their four children and one very bratty cat. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Well, Allie, thanks for making space to be with us today. It's so fun to connect with you. Thank you for asking me. I didn't realize until lately how much we had in common. So it's just a delight to be with you. Thank you. Yes, we were just chatting about Dallas Theological Seminary and our fondness for uh, education and yes. learning about God. And so that was that was super fun way to connect yes. and just also loving God's people. So, um, well, Allie, this podcast series that we're in is about moving from anxiety to rest. Mm-hmm. And you just released your first book, which is called How to Stay Standing. And as I was reading your book, what struck me about it was your story that I think so many of us can relate to of trying to live a life trusting in ourselves over God mm-hmm. and the amount of anxiety and turmoil that that caused you. And I think that it causes us as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to start with just telling us a little bit about that journey and why it became so difficult for you to continue living in this way. Yes. Um, I think the beginning of most of us, especially people that 
are open to God and are even maybe seeking him in some ways in their life that I think for me, as I look back on my, how I was raised and my life's journey that kind of brought me into the realm of Jesus and then forward into adulthood, I think about it as coming from a true desire to be good, to live a good life as a good person. I think so many people can relate to that far more than the opposite, right? Most Mm -hmm. people that we come into contact with would say, yes, I want to live a good life. Yes, I want to be a good person. And so as um, as I learned how to put my own life together, I took on kind of the externals of that. That's how I would say it. Like you get a good education, you get a good job, you get a good um, partner, you do the things that that look good on the outside, not because you're seeking to, to be um, fake or externally focused, but because that's what it that's what life is said to look like. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was a real void of understanding both being taught and having the people around me in wisdom to say, actually, a good life looks like not that. A good life is something else. And whatever that something else is starts way, way, way on the inside. So here I was building an adult life um, that started feeling heavier and heavier and heavier because it was me that was holding it all together. And I think the better you are at holding it all together, the worse the anxiety becomes. Mm. I didn't really even know how anxious I was Mm. because I felt very competent. And so for me, the anxiety was this underlying pressure. I would probably have used the word pressure to hold together all the good things that I was trying to build. Um, But it felt increasingly like if I Mm. let go, even for one second, something's going to fall and and maybe all of this is going to come apart. Yeah, right. And so in college for me, that looked like um, I just put an incredible amount of pressure on myself to get the best grades. So I had the best job opportunities because that's what, you know, I knew I was, I could do that. So I wanted to do that. And I had an instance my freshman year in college that showed me just how clueless I was about the amount of anxiety that I was carrying. Mm. Um, I was sitting in a theater class, not because I'm any good at (laughs) at theater. I'm terrible. You don't (laughs) want me to sing or try to act or anything like that. Um, but it was like a fine arts credit. I was going to say, you had to get the fine arts credits in yes. somehow. <laughs> I'm in this massive, you know, massive, like hundreds of people, bunch of, bunch of us, you know, all signed up for the intro to theater for the fine arts credit kind of deal. So I'm sitting amongst a bunch of other people, several of which I knew. And all of a sudden, one of them said, Allie, Allie, what's wrong? Allie? And I couldn't answer them. I didn't, I was, I understood where I was and what was happening, but I, my heart was beating so fast. Blood was rushing around. I couldn't answer my friend who was sitting next to me and almost as quickly as it came, it left. And I, I had this bizarre physical experience where 
I truly um, felt over overwhelmed, mm. physically overwhelmed. And now I understand that was some kind of anxiety attack, some kind of anxiety response. Mm. Mm. But I was so, I lacked such self-awareness, such wisdom in my life at that point that here's what I did. Huh, that was weird. And I carried on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I did. Yeah, just keep going. Yep. I never questioned it. I never tried to understand myself as a whole person. I just went, ah, I'm strong. I'm smart. I'll be fine. Whatever that was, no big deal. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think that's such a symptom that we get caught into is this unexamined life, not questioning. Yes what is happening around us, why we're feeling the things that we're feeling, what we're noticing that's happening in our lives. Because I feel like in the kindness of God, he was giving you this nudge that if you had been equipped to slow down and actually examine what was happening and maybe get wise counsel and help from people that could help you understand what was happening, you might've avoided a ton of other things happening in your life, right? Yeah, so much. And I think I think when our vision for our life comes from us, right? We're not interested in so many ways about anything that will interrupt that. Mm. And I definitely had some things that I wanted. And so really anything that would have caused me to slow down or become what I would have said was sidetracked which is funny right now sidetracked meant actually caring for myself, actually wondering what, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, what was good for me holistically instead of just in one aspect of my life. Um, So I would have considered those distractions to the vision that I was trying to live for my own life. Yeah. Until, Mm -hmm. um, and as you describe in your book, there's this crack in the foundation that all of a Mm -hmm. sudden becomes so big, you cannot hold it together anymore. So tell us a little bit about kind of that, that turning point for you and realizing, okay, I can't, I cannot keep going in this self-reliance mode. Yes. So for me, I think I mentioned before the missing wisdom I had is that, uh, our, a life that doesn't feel heavy and burdened and anxious, it actually starts somewhere much deeper on the inside of us. And um, because I didn't have that understanding, I, I, I began to build exactly the life you would expect from what I just said, a strong career, you know, moved to a new city. I was married right out of college. All of those things looked like they were in place, right? But they felt very heavy because they were my story, my vision, my version of my life. And so um, I did not really realize the deficiency I had in my internal life, in my character, in my connection with God, in my ability to navigate relationships with other people well, because I just did what I wanted to do and got it done, made it happen, you know? And so all of those things had cracks and I would call that cracks in inside and the foundation of what's going to hold your life up in the long run, right? Um, We can all pull it together for a little while. And um, so when I was very young, very out of college, very young in my career, I had an affair with a man at work. And I believe now that I can see that 
period of time with much more wisdom, what, what was lacking in me, I went searching for in another Mm. capacity. Mm. And a lot of that was the outcome of wanting to keep this external life together to the extent that I would compromise whatever I, right. Because the point was having, having the life that I was supposed to have. And so, um, Oh gosh, there's lots of things we could discuss about how I allowed myself. How did I go from one day being a quote, good person to the next day being someone that would allow themselves into a a space like that? We're going to pause here for a quick word from our sponsors. And then Allie and I will be back to talk about how she started to rebuild her life with God as the firm foundation. I think that's the way it is with any kind of sin or usually the way it is with any kind of sin is we don't wake up that morning and think, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm I'm going to do this thing that I thought I would never do. And, you know, and, and, but that's not how it works. It's this very slow slide down. It's, you know, the whole proverbial frog in the pot, you know, the temperatures turned up a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and we don't realize how hot it is. Until it, and part of what opened me up to the environment where that you know where that kind of thing took place in my life was pursuing um, career, which underneath it was really performance, you know, right. success, achievement, you know, pursuing that, putting that on top of everything else, which is of course stemming back all the way back to. Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying in some bizarre way, I'm trying to build a good life here. I'm trying to be a good person here. I'm trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do. And all the while opening, opening me up to environment after environment where this was going, you know, to at least be made possible, right? Mm-hmm. There would have been a day very shortly before that. I would have thought no way would I ever be the the sort of person that would ever even think about entertaining something like that in my life. And um, goodness, if it's one thing I can never unsee and unknow about myself and others is that we are all a very short step away from that. Yeah. You know, there there That's is the right. capacity in all of us to live lives steeped in sin that we never would have imagined. And in a funny way today, it gives me so much grace for other people mm-hmm. because they know I have a story. Well, and I just, as you're saying that, I just keep going back to the tactics of the enemy, you know, father of the father of lies. His, his primary goal is to kill, steal and destroy. And he is a very good student of mm-hmm. humanity and a very good student of us. And he knows, yes. okay, here's the weakness. Mm-hmm. And and he's he's got the long game kind of in view with us, even though as believers, and I don't know if you were actually a, a believer at this point in your life, but as believers, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And of course, mm-hmm. he cannot take us from God's grasp, but he can try and make our lives a mess and make us yes. effective for the kingdom, which is absolutely his second plan. If he can't, if he can't, you know, keep us from the kingdom, he can make us ineffective for it. 
Well, I came, I actually came to Christ truly and deeply when I was 16 years old, but I had, and, and I look back on that and I think I truly was never out of his grasp, but this, this period of time around this dismantling, really my life ended up really in a pile at my feet. I look back and I consider his grace to me because what I was building was never going to be strong enough to stand because it really was a mix of all kinds of different motivations and desires that were not really based on him. And I look back and think, how lucky am I that he allowed me to fully burn that to the ground in my 20s mm. that mm. I I have met too many people that that have seen the fruit of a life like that in their forties or in their fifties, who would say, what have I been doing? And so I look, I look back and I think incredibly blessed that I realized the weak life I was building so quickly, so early, but also so painfully. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So painfully. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. wish that on anyone. It's probably my core motivation for writing the book because I just think it doesn't that doesn't have to be your story. Though if it is, he's already at work. <laughs> you know, there there's so much grace in it, so much blessing right. in it, and um none of us are out of his grasp, but I do I do believe that truly I was in Christ just completely ignorant of what that meant and his blessing his work was to dismantle what i was trying to build and bless him for it and also yeah. it's kindness i mean because that's what the scriptures say his kindness leads us to repentance it's his kindness and we yeah. feel the opposite of that yeah. in the moment it doesn't feel good, but I was very aware that, that the Lord was at, at work in all of it. That's right. Very, very aware. Yeah. And um, I came to the point where I actually invited him in to do his work. And I think that that was a really key step for me was saying, okay, I know you're at work here. Please, please do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Well, let, I mean, let's talk about that because you you turn this corner and you start this uh, dismantling what's already what you actually just described. It's already crumbled right. at your feet, but you start that process of confessing yes. it to the people around you and, and coming clean with what has yes. happened to start rebuilding. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that process. Um, and even, even how that leads into the passage that we meditated on which is Luke 6, 47 through 49, about building our house, our mm -hmm. life on a firm foundation, which is a parable that Jesus yes. tells that you, oh, you lived I out. absolutely so, did. And, and all of us, and all mm -hmm. of us have. It, we have to be honest. Every single one of us have lived this out. It may not, it's probably not even your story because we all have different ones. But yeah, so tell well, us about that. When I began to confess, first to God and then to others for the first time in a long time when i got really honest first with god that's where the anxiety the performance the achievement the pressure to hold this all together 
began to break. And I felt awful at the at the implications of that in my life. I certainly couldn't say, and suddenly I felt wonderful. No, I did not. It was awful. Right. And also yeah. for the first time, I was truly at peace with God because I knew I'm aligned with his heart. I'm telling the truth. I'm asking him to come in. I'm, and I mean that to my very core. And for the very first time, I feel at peace with him. And it lifted that, I call it an undercurrent mm. of anxiety. When, when you feel like you're just plugged in all the time, there's some undercurrent in your life that's just running all the time. And we get so used to it, we barely realize that oftentimes it's because we are functioning completely out of alignment with God. And it's this buzz, this terrible thing we learn to live with. And um, I felt that break in so many ways during mm -hmm. this period of time. And so while, yes, my life was in chaos at home and at work and all the other things, at, at the same time, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, whatever these circumstances are, I really am, I really am in earnest at peace with God. Mm. And it forced, it forced me into a place where I let go for the first time of the outcomes of things. And I trust, I inadvertently, I would say I accidentally, <laughs> um, I was forced into a place of trusting him to save what could be saved instead mm -hmm. of trying to grasp mm -hmm. everything and, and oh, make yeah. sure the outcomes were right. I was way beyond that. Right. It was like a case in point of you cannot fix this on your own. You cannot build or rebuild what you have, you know, what you have crushed here, but I can. So you're going to mm -hmm. have to wait and mm -hmm. see, right. You're going to have to walk with me and see what I can do. And so that really was the origin. And that's the truth of the parable that we reflected on this week, because Jesus warns in that parable. And I wish, I wish, oh my goodness, I wish for me and for all of your listeners too, I wish he hadn't gone all the way to complete destruction in this parable, right? right. Um, but he makes it very, very clear. That's good whatever we build on him will stand and nothing else will. And God, God's word, it's true. And when I stumbled across this parable years later and, you know, read it and read it and read it and read it, I realized this is my story. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I've always has struck me about this parable is that the torrent strikes no matter Correct. what. Correct. It was always coming. It was always coming. And that's not the, that's not what changes in this parable. What changes is us yeah. and how we are ready to respond. And you have highlighted three simple things that Jesus invites us to. So tell us just a little bit about those. Yes. They come directly out of this. They parable. do. So Jesus says something really interesting, right? It's almost like his sentence before his introduction into the parable. I'll go two sentences before. He kind of says, this is right at the end of his sermon on the Mount, where he's just told everyone, these, these are, there's two different kinds of lives here. 
And um, I want you to, I want you to come and follow me. He's kind of painting a picture of life as a disciple in the kingdom of God. And this is his grand finale. His big finish is this parable. It's, it's funny. I would never dream of finishing a sermon this way, but he kind of, he comes at them full force, full force. And he says, why do you call me Lord? If you're not going to actually do what I say. And he said, I will show you what he is like. He who builds his life on me. He says, he, he who comes to me, hears my word and puts it into practice is like a man who built, you know, dug down and laid his foundation on rock. And then he finishes that, that beginning with the parable, but those, those practices, that is not the parable. He's giving us some information there that is, is telling us like, Hey, there's these three really simple. You could almost read over them. There's these three really simple things that equate to becoming the wise builder. And he says, those are come to me, hear my word and actually do what it says. Mm -hmm. And I've, I just described to you the part of my life where I realized none of this is any Mm -hmm. good. If I don't come to Jesus with my whole self, with my whole heart, because I was going to church. I had a Bible. What did that matter? And Mm -hmm. unless I brought my whole self to him, um, and that's exactly what the foolish builder in the parable is like, because he, it wasn't that he didn't hear the words. Mm-hmm. He heard mm-hmm. the words mm-hmm. and he didn't do anything. And I'll tell you, I didn't do anything. He didn't do anything because the heart all the way through scripture, the heart is the motivator of action, not the mind. Mm-hmm. It's important. My goodness. I'm a learner. I'm a teacher. Many times our transformation begins with something that peaks our interest in our minds, but until we bring our whole selves to it and we come before God with our heart, which the Bible continuously says is the motivator of our action, then we have our answer as to why the foolish builder did not do anything with the words that he heard because he hadn't first come. He never showed up before Jesus. He never showed up before God and went, I'm here, all of me. So he doesn't end up doing anything, even with the very good mm-hmm. words that he heard. And Jesus was challenging them on their on their way home, if you will. He was saying, will you come to me or will you hear these words and do nothing with them? Yeah, I love I love even just how you said what coming is and it isn't. You know, I think a lot of us think, well, I went to church on Sunday and then you know, I gave him that mm-hmm. hour, but coming is actually our our whole selves and not withholding anything from him. One of the things that you say that I think is so beautiful is, and it's invitational, is that we really mm-hmm. need to take the risk yes. on God. What what does that mean to you to well, risk it? I think to take a risk on God means to believe what he says is true before you can see it in your life. That's truly what I discovered in my own story out of desperation. And I don't think that God cares or criticizes us for coming to him in desperation. Um, I was in a situation where I literally had nothing to lose anymore. And mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to start actually doing what, what I think 
God would tell me to do here, whether I read that in the Bible or whether it was my understanding of his character, his nature, who he was. How about if I just stop lying and tell the truth? That's one very simple risk because we are so prone to protect ourselves, to cover ourselves up, to try to clean up our own mess. What if you didn't? What if you said God values the truth coming out That's right. That's and the right. truth has lots of implications in his kingdom and in his ability to work in your life. That's obvious all the way through scripture. What if you stopped protecting yourself and you took a risk that if you told the truth, he would step in, Mm -hmm. that if you told the truth, he would do something that you can't do for yourself. And that's where it gets really personal because it will always come down to Will you believe that he Mm -hmm. is not only real, but he can affect things in your life that you cannot affect for yourself? And as we begin to take tiny risks on God, we gather evidence. I always think it's like a snowball. So the first one is the hardest, right? The first few times you go like, okay, I was taught you were real, but are you really there? Are you really hearing me? Are you really going to respond? It's a huge risk because in my particular case, and I, I just bless all your listeners with this not, not being their story. In my particular case, um, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. an enormous yeah. risk. That was an enormous risk. I could have tried to cover up operation. I could have tried to live with this the rest of my life. I know people who will take this story in their life to their grave. And I know it will eat them from the inside out. They will not live the fullness of the life that they could have lived if you you do that. It steals, exactly like you said. It steals your life from you. I could feel how it would steal my life from me. And so I was willing to risk. I was willing to risk. And I think many of us believe, especially women, but many people believe um, they are not risk takers. They're like, ah, I'll just do the best I can. You know, I'm not, I'm just not a risk taker. I think it's a risk. Goodness, I can think of tons of daily risks that I've taken on God. Lots of little things. And then some really big ones too. Um, but I don't think risk taking is a personality trait. I think it's a muscle of faith. Mm, and I don't mm. think you can live a life of faith without it. So, um, mostly because God wants you to become convinced of him, not because he's hiding behind something. He he knows how fickle you are. He knows how how doubt how doubt prone we are, and he wants you to have real evidence that he's real and good and for you and filled with grace for you. And all of that knowledge of him is on the other side of a yeah, risk. Allie, that's so good. I I think that is a good word of encouragement to anyone that is feeling the strain of the life that you have just described to us, of holding it all together, of bearing the weight of it, that the first step is to take a risk. And, and that's scary. But what lies on the other side of that is 
the rest and the peace that Jesus truly wants to give us the mm-hmm. abundant life that he says he's come to give us, you know, the, the easy yoke and burden that he says that he promises to us. I mean, these are all promises mm-hmm. that God has for us and, and we have to take a risk to believe them. And so thank you yes. so much for encouraging us in that. And, um, Allie, it has just been such a delight to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much for making space to be with us today. Well, it's been wonderful. And I just, I, I love being able to say out loud, God has something, he has a life for you that really isn't driven by anxiety performance. He really has a life for you that is built on him that feels at peace, no matter the circumstances around you. Right. And um, I just deeply want that. I deeply want that for everyone that I love, everyone in his church, everyone that doesn't even know him yet. I want that, that freedom at your very core. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. I deeply want that. If, if these words are entering into your ears right now, that is both Allie's and my prayer for you. Um, and if you want to connect with Allie, there are links in the show notes. So please do that. Grab a copy of her book, How to Stay Standing, Three Essential Practices for Building a Faith That Lasts. I believe that you will be deeply blessed with it as I have been. And I also do just want to take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership in our podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you're going to find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in the network. They have shows on prayer and Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation. And as always, I want to thank you again for joining me on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we're creating space to listen. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.